Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about Michigan State's 69-65 win over the Wisconsin Badgers in Madison. But before I begin, I want to thank you so much for making this such a popular show. This is one of the top 50-ranked basketball podcasts of all basketball podcasts in America, and we owe that all to you, and we like to keep that momentum going. So if you have not yet had the opportunity, please rate, review, and share the show with your friends and other Spartan fans so we can have people better informed for the Spartan games. Well, Michigan State goes in Wisconsin, and last year they managed to pull off a victory in Madison uh, with the absence of Tyler Wall in large part, I guess a part of that at least. And once again, he's injured and was unable to play in this game. And so I, in our preview, it looked like he was going to play. Turned out he didn't. And Michigan State had a a lot of interesting game, I think. You know, from a free throw percentage, we've talked in the past that they don't get to line enough because they're a good shooting team. Well, they got there 17 times. And I would say most of those are not ones where they're just at the end of the game, you know, uh, where Wisconsin was finally trying to extend the game. And they had 16 to 17 free throws, but 14 turnovers to just five for Wisconsin. The old problem kind of comes to, especially with a large uh, margin like that. Uh, the other thing in the game, out-rebounding Wisconsin significantly, uh, 33 to 18. And both teams shot very well from the field. Michigan State shot 53% from three, 52 for the game. Wisconsin, 45% from two and uh, 39% from three. It was much better earlier. And then they sort of cooled off near the end of the second half, which allowed Michigan State to come back, tie the game and eventually take the lead at the end. Uh, Joey Hauser was the leading scorer for Michigan State. He scored 20 points, had eight rebounds, six, six from the line, two for three from three. His shots back after having a lot struggling last game and in some respects as well as Tyson Walker, three for three from three point range, uh, one for six from, from two uh, he also had a pair of free throws to finish with 13 points. Both those guys with 36 minutes. And Matt, Matty Sissoko played 23 minutes. And surprisingly, this is a game where Jackson Kohler hardly played, only played four minutes because Carson Cooper played 12. And uh, I don't know if it was a second or third go. He actually looked pretty good. So I have a lot of stuff to talk about, Rod. I don't know where you want to start. Well, uh, I'm going to start here. To me, and and this is something that, you know, the, the pure analytic approach doesn't necessarily value, but I do. I think most people who watch, play, coach, care about basketball <laughs> value. And that is, what do you do at winning time? Mm-hmm. What do you do when the chips are down and you need to make plays? Now, I'm not saying, oh, I necessarily go full bore into the clutch player belief system. But (laughs) I do think it is a sign of good teams that when it matters, 
you are able to stay focused and go make plays. I don't, I don't see how anyone can argue with that because if it, if it's happening late in a close game, well, a team wins or loses based upon the plays that they make or don't make. Right. Michigan state over the last eight minutes and 44 seconds of this game was eight for eight from the floor and six for six at the foul line. That's pretty good. Did not miss a shot. Now, I'm not going to say it was perfect offensive basketball because there were also three turnovers during that period, (laughs) but still eight for eight from the floor, six for six at the line. That has a lot to do with them winning this game. Obviously. I also think the defense got better late. Wisconsin, you know, it's a, it's an interesting game because Tom Izzo was clearly unhappy with the way Michigan state was handling ball screen defense through a lot of this game. There were a lot of, a lot of breakdowns. I mean, you could see it, but Wisconsin will do that to you if they're running their stuff effectively. And they were, this is not a great offensive team. Tyler wall, no Tyler wall. They have not been a great offensive team this year, but tonight they were really good because they put Michigan state in a bind. They ran their stuff extremely well. I thought, and then when opportunities were there, when they got a mismatch, when they got a blown coverage and had an open shot, they hit them a lot and, and guys, you don't expect to be hitting them. Carter Gilmore hitting a three, um, Kroll who has struggled hitting a three, you know, they, they had, Give them credit. I thought Michigan State got, again, Tyler Wall, no Tyler Wall. I think they got arguably Wisconsin's best punch. I really do. And and Michigan State stayed in it, was so good offensively down the stretch, and defensively got enough stops to get it done. And, again, I don't care about the circumstances with Wall being out of the game. Um you go and you win a game at Cole center. That's a big win. Yeah. Anytime, any year, any situation that is a big win. And for Michigan state, and it was the veterans, man, it's exactly the guys that you would lean on. You would expect to lean on AJ Hogard could not have been more massive when it counted Joey Hauser on that, on that curl three. Yeah. That that put Michigan state back up. I mean, massive shot Malik Hall made some plays late and then you know everybody who went to the line down the stretch Tyson Walker AJ Hogard just nails at the line you mentioned it the whole game and and how many times do you take and I got to look at it see what the final advantage was Michigan State attempted nine more free throws than Wisconsin that yeah. does not happen very often anywhere. <laughs> not never in mind Wisconsin. Cole Center. The, the fact that yeah. Wisconsin only attempted eight is not a huge surprise because we talked about it in the preview, right? They don't get to the line a lot, and Michigan State, unusually for them in the Izzo era, isn't putting opponents at the line very often this year. So that part was not surprising, but MSU managing to get 17 free throw attempts maybe was. And, and I agree with you. The last... Was it, maybe it was just Tyson Walker's uh, free throw attempts were, I think, the only ones where it was kind of a desperation foul. Other right, than yeah, that, because they were down two, yeah. Michigan State was drawing them. I mean, I thought in the first half, 
Hauser went six for six and he earned every one of them. I mean, he yep. was active. I, I loved his game tonight because you come off a, a one of seven from three against Michigan. And what did he do? He didn't go out there and just decide I'm going to keep throwing up threes until they fall. He got active and he attacked Wisconsin and he got rewarded for it. Just a huge game from him. And, and he's generally played pretty well against his home state school. So it's not a shocker that he delivered this kind of game, but still man, 20 and eight, that's, that's a big, big time performance. Um, but yeah, the, look, there were, there were issues here. It was far from a perfect game, but I think if you're a Michigan state fan and you're not very happy with what you saw tonight, you got to get a reality check. Cause that's a, that's a big <laughs> win. It's a big win. Anytime you get one at Cole and you look at the circumstances for Michigan state, where that puts them now, admittedly, we're a quarter of the way through the big 10 season, but two road wins already, you know, at Penn yeah. state, you can say, I think Penn state's generally a pretty good team this year, but um, you know, you can say, well, that's not the toughest atmosphere to play in. Okay. I'll, I'll buy some of that. Not tonight. Well, yeah. Anytime you get a road win, it's huge in the big 10. I mean, they're <clears throat> the only cupcake we've pretty much to settle on now is Minnesota at this point. Yeah, and, I agree. Uh, you know, and, and even if you go in there and win, I mean, that's still, it's still road win, right? I mean, you have to, to win this league, you have to protect home court, which Michigan State has not done perfectly. They've, they've already lost once. So you've got to steal a bunch on the road in order to give yourself a chance in this race. And they've done what they need to do so far. I mean, what do you make of, of Cooper playing so much? I mean, I, I thought the first turn, it wasn't very good. Do you think it's just the, de- I, I mean, it was defense. Was hardly Jack, into- Jackson Kohler, Jackson Kohler looked completely overmatched. Now Kroll played. I have to believe one of the best games of his career. I thought he was outstanding because <laughs> some of those makes were not easy in the post. They really weren't. Um, but yeah, I think that decision was based on defense. Jackson came in for one segment and he looked, you know, he was just having a real, real problem and they couldn't afford it defensively. They couldn't afford to, uh, to have that going on. So I was supportive of it. And I actually think, you know, Cooper didn't do anything spectacularly, but a um, couple blocks, couple rebounds. And yeah. I think you said at the outset, he got better. His, his last stint was actually his best. And I think it's something to build on for Carson Cooper. Look, his, his problem tonight against Kroll is Kroll has God, I think Kroll, I want to say Kroll redshirted. So he's either in his third year or his fourth year in that program. And he's, he's not the strongest guy you're going to see, but he's certainly stronger than, than Carson Cooper right now. Oh yeah. Undoubtedly. That's where yeah. he had an advantage. He was able to use his strength to get to, even though Carson stayed long, didn't, you know, and, and largely played it correctly. Um, he's not strong enough yet to, to really force Kroll into being in spots on the floor. He doesn't want to be in. Kroll was right. getting to where he needed to get to. Um, so that was a negative from that perspective, but there's nothing Carson could do about that. That's, that's going to come when he gets stronger, then you're going to really see the things he does have, which is his length and his, his footwork are going to play big dividends. For him. Yeah. I mean, I look, I was not unhappy with him tonight. I think Madi, you know, 
he had struggles too, in the sense that I, I thought he played reasonably okay defense against Kroll, but Kroll was still hitting a lot of those tough shots. But you look at the other things Monty did. He gave them a little bit of an offensive contribution on some slips to the rim, um, and he had double-digit rebounds. And and I thought he was I thought he was on a night where MSU really struggled in their ball screen defense. He was by far, no surprise, the best option Michigan State had at his position in terms of at least giving them a chance. I thought he, on a night where a lot of guys struggled, I thought he was still reasonably good. Yeah, no, I don't think there's any question about that. And I, I don't know I, if we can just finally put to bed the fact that, you know, Mahdi can't rebound. I don't, I mean, he, he was really great defensively rebounding, I thought. I mean, it's not like Wisconsin only had three offensive rebounds anyway, and they're not a good offensive rebounding team, but he was solid in there. And, and, and to your point about his defense, I, you know, it's funny because people complain about, you know, things he can't do. And there are things he can't do. He can't hit a long shot. He's, you know, limited offensively in what he can do outside of, you know, 10 feet, I suppose. But these are not complaints we were having or concerns we had going into the season, right? Our concerns were he's going to foul it all the time. He can't rebound. He's, he can't defend. I mean, he can, he's checking most of the boxes. He's, he's giving them look in a league that is absolutely loaded with big men. I mean, again, the guys we've seen lately, Two of the last three games, the big men that we've seen, Derek Walker and then tonight with Crow, are probably, if they're not in the bottom half of Big Ten fives, they're close to it. The league is that loaded, right? And these guys are still really good. That's my point. <laughs> right, um, yeah. Michigan State needed to be able to at least give itself a chance to compete at that position. And body Sissoko is doing that. You know, you can, you, yeah, you're right. You could talk about and focus about the things he doesn't do. I, I will say the first bucket he got tonight was a nice move. The kind we haven't seen him make in, a, in several games um, where he hit like out of middle of the lane. So say an eight footer, 10 footer. Um, right. It was nice. It was a nice move and a nice play. And then the, I think he had six points. The other two buckets two he got were dunks. Yeah. But, um, you know, you, you need a guy doing the things that he's doing. By the way, the other thing offensively, which gets completely ignored by people because they, <laughs> they don't understand what they're watching, Mati Sissoko has become a very good screener. And Robbie Hummel tonight called it out on a few occasions where somebody on MSU's team got a wide open jumper because of a screen that Mati Sissoko set. He is, I'm not ready to put him in Xavier Tillman category, but he's the best screener they've had since then. He's a better screener than Bainham was better screener than marble. I mean, it's not close. I don't think, uh, and he's got a chance before he's done to maybe get to that X level, you know? Um, in fact, that's, that's honestly, it, people won't believe this, but Xavier Tillman is the guy that Monty reminds me the most of. Now he's not there yet, but when you look at the things he does, well, the way he plays ball screen defense, the way he sets picks, the kind of weapon he's capable of being in the screen game as a rim diver. Remember X was not a back it down low post threat. He got most of his point production as the role band from Cassius Winston 
rim running, and you know, occasionally he might take and make a mid-range jumper. But his offensive game wasn't, in terms of the things he's capable of doing or not doing, it wasn't worlds apart from where Mahdi is. Mahdi needs to continue to play more. He needs more consistency. That was what was so great about Xavier Tillman. Is night in, night out, you could count on what that guy was going to give you. You knew what you were going to get. With Mahdi, there's obviously more inconsistency, more spottiness. But I don't rule out, especially if he decides to take a COVID year and he plays another two years after this, I don't rule out that by the time he's a senior, he could get to that kind of consistency. Nobody should. Because look at the stride. You mentioned it. Look at the strides he's made from where he was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's not even close to the same player, not the same stratosphere. Right. <laughs> And uh, I mean, and and it is easy to forget he's played 16 games, basically. Right. I mean, at this point. Right. Uh, and so <clears throat> he's and he continues to get better. And yeah, he has games like you mentioned, inconsistency. But I would say he's a he certainly has a good attitude about learning and understanding what he's not doing well and trying to improve upon that. I think there's no question about that. And he's going to work hard and and he has the athletic ability to pull those things off. I'm always impressed with this screening because I. I feel like he's twice as big as he is because people just can't get around him. I mean, I don't know if he's just kind of lanky or just long arms. He's or a long guy, very long. He's not huge. You know, he's maybe six, nine, but yeah, I agree. He's, he's he is a becoming a really good screener. I'll tell you something else that I liked and I don't know what the particulars were. It had something to do with uh, defensive assignment that, that was, there was confusion, but there was a huddle later in the game in the second half where Mahdi went ballistic in the huddle and <laughs> Hogard was calming him down. I liked everything I saw about it and Izzo didn't step in. Izzo wasn't going at him. So it clearly wasn't a situation where Izzo was trying to hold him to task. I'd be curious to know what he was upset about, but what I liked about it was Mahdi seems like such a, a happy go lucky guy, right? That's <laughs> yeah. the thing you love about him personally um not that he i've never questioned that he cares but i've never seen him express himself the way he was then and to me that is a difference that could matter i also like the fact that aj hogard was calming him down that's something <laughs> yeah, that that's, your a point guard has, that's something that your yeah. point guard has to do you know it's part of the job you got to take ownership but I'm encouraged by the fact that Mahdi was that passionate in that moment, whatever the situation was that that caused it to to react that way. That's a big, big deal. Yeah, he's a he's a fiery competitor. I think there's any question. Oh, yeah, about that. I've and, never questioned he cares, but you don't you haven't seen that from him. And that's right. when, you know, uh, look, Michigan State huddles, man, over the and, and as fans, we only see small parts of it. I mean, sure. but even the bits that we see, they're legendary. I mean, guys <laughs> just, you know, Antonio Smith, just ready to drive people through a wall in the national, <laughs> um, in, in the uh, elite eight game against Kentucky in 99, when they got off to a horrible start. Um, I remember Derek Nix and Keith Appling, not only MSU teammates, high school teammates going at it um, in huddles. You know, you, you know that the, an MSU team, is on schedule and is getting to where they need to be. In my opinion, that's one of the telltale signs when the huddles get nasty. 
Well, they're holding each other accountable. And I think that's the encouraging sign with Mahdi that he feels comfortable now with what he's supposed to be doing, what other people are supposed to be that's doing. And now we can call people out because he recognizes it's not all just his fault, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. And whether, whether he's right or wrong, again, I don't even know specifically because the play right before that stoppage, I, it didn't look to me. It was one where um, Hepburn hit like a shot from just inside the arc against Hogard that was reasonably well challenged. But uh, unless there was something in the, in the ball screen coverage that I didn't see, it didn't look to me like an obvious blown assignment. So I'm not sure it might've been a play before that, who knows, but whatever it was, you're right. Marty felt confident enough. And you know, Izzo's talked about it a million times. He wants guys to go back at him. Or, or, or assert themselves. Now they better be right, but, but he wants that. He encourages that. I think that's when he feels like he's got a real team. And to me, that was a, a little thing, but a positive sign in my book. And that's probably one of the advantages of being on the road too, in some respects, right? It's a little more stressful. It's not as comfortable, but I think because you're in a hostile environment, you're sort of, you know, you've, you know, you circle the wagons, right? A little bit more than you do yep. when you're at home. And so those, those leadership aspects and the fact that you have the, the uh, seniors in the team, I think it makes a big difference. It's look, look it, those situations, if you count training staff and managers and, and all of that, it's probably 30 people in the MSU traveling party. So it's third <laughs> against the world, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, you find out some things. And what I think MSU is finding out is they've got a team. They're now, they're now three and one in road games because the Portland game counted as one, um, which it should have. Um, I frankly, I count the Oregon game too, but they don't count that one. Um, So Portland, then they lost at Notre Dame. We all know the circumstances there, but now they beat Penn state and they beat Wisconsin three and one on the road. That's a pretty good sign. That's a pretty good early indicator. Long way to go. You know, Friday night, you got to go to Champaign. It's going to be tough there they're all going to be tough, but, um, you've got a mix with this Michigan state team of, you know, AJ Hogard in the post game interview talked about how he always feels like they've got guys who have been through it. And he's right. They haven't always been through positive results in these situations over the last two years, but they've been through it. They all know what's involved, all the veterans, know what's involved with being in a big 10 road environment. And you know, that that's where you hope and you should believe that experience is going to pay off for you. And so far, I think it's paying off for Michigan state. I think tonight I'm going to go back to it. Eight for eight from the floor, six for six from the line over the last eight forty one. Yeah. And that's on the road too, which is I think on the road, impressive, right? Hostile yeah. environment, not Penn state not Northwestern, Wisconsin, as good a building as there is in the league. And I think, you know, that eight for eight came when they started behind, right? To come back and tie and then pass. Yeah, well, it's look, and and the defense wasn't locked down during that whole period. But the fact that they were able to execute that way, kept them alive, kept them afloat. And then finally, over those last four minutes or so, yeah. You saw Michigan State make just enough good defensive plays. I really think 
um, during that stretch. It was, honestly, it wasn't just, oh, Wisconsin had open shots and they missed them. I thought Michigan State played pretty good defense. The one thing that helped was there was a possession. <sighs> I'd have to go back and look at the play-by-play, um, which I actually did have open, so let me see if I still have it. There was a possession late where Chucky Hepburn tossed up a really questionable three. Oh, and let yeah. me see where that was. It was It wasn't With it 28 wasn't open. seconds. So that was Wisconsin down two. That was a big possession. And that's the one where I felt like now, now look, Michigan State guarded it well. He he took a contested bad shot. They didn't break down, but that was the one possession where I thought, hey. Wisconsin helped about because um, Chucky Hepburn made an uncharacteristically bad decision to take a forced three when they didn't need it. Um, and that was really the ball game because Michigan state gets a rebound, gets fouled. And from there, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's ball over. game. The other thing about pulling this off in that kind of environment, keep in mind the biggest lead in this game, either team had was six and it was MSU really early. Other than that, there were a couple of segments, not many more than that, in the second half where Wisconsin had a five-point lead. And then, um, you know, other than that, man, it was, I don't know how many times lead changed, I think 12, 13 times. There were a bunch of ties. That game was, it's not just that it was a close game. It was that it was a game that was played in an extremely tight window, essentially for all 40 minutes. And that just adds to the stress and it makes the fact that you're able to execute the way MSU did all the more impressive because every possession was big. And against a team that has, that sort of lives in close games. Absolutely. What were they six and they were six and two coming into tonight games decided by five or less. So now six and three. There you go. Uh, One interesting thing I thought with the game is Michigan State had 10 assists, which is not a lot on 23 made baskets. Yeah, that's unusual. Percent. But it was it was mainly, I think, just a reflection of the defense at Wisconsin. Was, they were sort of forcing a lot of isolations, and maybe that was Mich- Michigan State was just choosing to do that. But a lot of times, you know, tossing to Hall and just have him go at whoever was on him that at that moment, and then then sort of uh, off the uh, off the pick and roll, you know, that you have Walker going uh, take with the switch with Kroll or something like that. You have guys going on, so it, there were, it was. There was a lot more of that, I think, in the offense. It did, I think it's just kind of by design but for what Wisconsin was giving Michigan State. It was a lot, yeah. Michigan State, you know, Wisconsin was trying to take the three away. And they did a credible job in terms of limiting attempts. They, you know, Michigan yeah. State shot extremely well, but they didn't give up many attempts. Michigan State probably wants to take a few more threes than they got in this game. So Wisconsin was trying to take that away. What it left for MSU was a lot more post play than we typically see, right? I yep. mean, Hall, Hauser, those guys were were backing people down. There was a lot of that. And then there was some one-on-one stuff, you know, for good and for bad. I mean, Jade Nakins had the most spectacular Fortune. play of the night and also one of the worst turnovers, <laughs> both in one-on-one plays. You know, the 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 good one. I mean, I think everybody thought he was going to throw it down and he just kind of dropped it through the net, but that's a play. Nobody else on that court can make. And it was a one-on-one play. There's no assist there, uh, but it's the right play because he had a guy he thought he could take. And then he did the bad one. He kind of, I 
posted this, he kind of started channeling the old and one mixtapes where he was <laughs> dribble, 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 crossover, trying to shake his guy. And he ended up dribbling himself into a turnover. Um, yeah. But was, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin did. You, we know, cause we talk about it all the time. We know that's not the way Michigan state wants to play. They want to play a game where they're able to move the ball, you know, generate good open looks by virtue of doing that, forcing your defense into collapsing, committing more than one guy to the ball, and then you can swing it to an open man. For the most part, Wisconsin did not let Michigan State do that. The one guy who was able to do any of that stuff was, of course, A.J. Hogard, who had eight assists. And they were and they were nice ones. Those were not, oh, he happened to make the pass that led to a made shot variety. Those were, those were real, that was playmaking. Oh yeah. That, that one wraparound pass he had to Sissoko. I didn't even see where he had an angle and he just kind of like threw it around that guy right for a dunk. I'm like, Whoa. he had that one. And there was a play in the first half where he got himself into the lane and then just fired it in the corner to Tyson Walker for a made three. Those were the two that stood out in my mind, but where he was really making plays. But other than that, you know, Wisconsin, they took it away. And that's what I mean. I thought that um, this was a high-level game. This was not, you know, it, it, if the Michigan game was winning ugly, this was not that. This was a offensively, for sure, a very well-played game by both teams, even with the MSU turnovers. I mean, shot-making, guys going out, making plays for themselves, occasionally for other people. Um, running both teams, running their stuff, running their stuff and getting looks out of it. That's you saw it. It was a really, really fun game to watch. If you didn't care about the result. (laughs) (laughs) Stress. Yeah. Well, it was probably the first time since 1997 that Brad Davison wasn't on the floor. So it was kind of interesting watching Wisconsin there. I think, I think it's been the last 11 meetings he's been there. So it was kind of uh, unusual watching Wisconsin with that. (laughs) him on the floor yeah uh, not not missed but i'll tell you the guy who's kind of um stepping into his role we talked about him in the pregame uh connor asigian a a freshman kind of a semi-lightly recruited freshman from indiana boy that guy's going to be a pain in the ass i said that about davison when he started there this kid's a little different he's a better shooter oh yeah and and as best as i can tell he's not out there tripping people but (laughs) Um, yeah, he's going to be a problem because he knows how to play. I mean, I've watched him this year. I knew he was good. He's scoring 10 points a game off the bench. So you knew he was a problem, but man, he's, that's a good basketball player. And you would expect that he will continue to get better, which is scary because he's already pretty good. Well, why don't we step away for just a moment and we'll be right back with the keys to the game. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so the keys to the game, number one was defending the arc. Well, I don't know. I you know, Wisconsin put up 23. I guess ultimately they ended up with not a fantastic percentage. I mean, 39% is very good, but they were shooting 50% for a while there. I think they hit the first couple in the second half, and then they just went ice cold. So I don't know. I mean, I think okay for Michigan State. Yeah, yeah. Okay is a good conclusion, I think. But here's... Here's what I liked, and and let me check to make sure I've got this right. Yeah, um, I I said at the half, um, I posted at the half about this that I thought Michigan State didn't play it the way they needed to in the first half. They were sending a lot of help in terms of dig downs or even not even a dig, just a straight double on um oh, yeah. on, in the post. Yep. And I thought Wisconsin really hurt them with that in the second half. I thought they played it differently. Now, what that, what that meant was you had Kroll able to work largely one-on-one and he had a big half because of it, but you know yep. what? I'll take that. It's the old Purdue strategy that we see Michigan state employ. You trade twos for threes. Now you look at Wisconsin shooting. It's not that they were horrible in the second half, but in the first half, they were four for 10 from three in the second half, five for 13, not a huge difference, about a percentage and a half, but in a close game, maybe just enough. And I think if, if Michigan state had not adjusted, it could have stayed the way it was in the first half or even got worse. Um, So I do credit that little bit of improvement with a change in approach and did it cost them in the post? Sure. But I think you live with that. You have to big 10 teams, at least the good ones. And there are many of those this year that are at least good. You can't take everything away. I think sometimes fans think that, right. That oh, a good performance is you take everything away. Well, that's, that's fantasy land. It doesn't work that way. Um, in the second half, I think Michigan state opted to live with Kroll doing damage in the post and they did enough that it worked. Yeah. I think he had four in the first half and I think he had 15 in the second. He did. Um, yeah. It was a huge half and, it, and look, he earned it. Some of them yeah. were easy baskets, but a lot of them weren't a lot of them. He really had to work to get himself to the spot he wanted to. And then he still made it over, you know, reasonably decent defense in the post. You know, most of the time with, with post defense, it's about what happens before the shot. It's, did you deny the guy getting to the spot on the floor he wanted to get to? Did you force him to shoot with it on the, the side, shoot over the shoulder? He doesn't want to go over, you know, things like that. And I, I thought Michigan state did what they could. It was a tough challenge, tough night. Um, but they got the win. So strategically it worked out because I think they did just enough to hold down the three point shooting production. 
Yeah, I think for defending the arc is maybe B B minus, but uh, yeah, just enough, like you said. Uh, that's a good shooting team, and they were slightly better than their seasonal average, but they were also hitting. I mean, they had guys, you know. Um, well, Ilver hit Ilver one. He's twenty-seven percent. Um, you know, you don't expect that. Carter Gilmore hits one. The, you don't expect those guys to be hitting threes. You know. Um, Chucky Hepburn, who has been massive for them, MSU held him to two for six. Yeah. So good performance there it was really the guys you don't expect who who hurt Michigan State. And and again, that's a strategic choice. In both of those instances, Michigan State was, you know, Hauser was still, he wasn't digging down as aggressively, but when those guys were on the floor. He was a little more willing, even in the second half, to help off them. And he gave up one. I think that was the one that Gilmore hit was in the second half. But if 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 Gilmore wants to rise up and take a three, I'm going to let him. That's a better result for me than a lot of other things, a lot of other shot opportunities that they could get. You know, so sometimes you just kind of tip your cap to All right. Yeah. You had a guy who shouldn't be making a shot, make a shot. It's like Hogart hitting one, right? I mean, at some, at, you know, maybe right. at some exactly. point he's shooting 35, then people are going to have to be on him. But right now it's your, the, the best, the best uh, option that you have out there. From an MSU perspective, you celebrate those times when he hits a three, but you're right for the defense. I think you say, well, we can live with that. We, you know, if he's, if he's going to go out and try and beat us from the three point line, so be it. We will, we will happily take that, you know? And on the on the flip side, for the second key to the game is for Michigan State to hit their threes, and they did that. They didn't shoot a ton of them. I mean, thirteen, but seven of thirteen, so over fifty percent. Uh, you know, no air balls today. No, <laughs> like the last game. No, even uh, the the misses were right there. They were good ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Aikens had a couple go, or maybe one. I'm not sure. One or two. Yeah, both of his misses went in and out. Um, Hauser, I mentioned had a shot early that could have pushed the lead to nine from the corner was not a bad three, not a bad attempt. Um, yeah, I mean, there weren't, maybe it was Pierre Brooks actually now that I'm thinking about it, but, um, there weren't those bad misses. I, I would, I would agree with that. Michigan state was much more dialed in than they were against Michigan, which again, I think speaks to what we talked about in the aftermath of that Michigan game that. You know, I, I would be inclined to attribute that to a team being a little too emotional, a little too jacked up. That can happen. Yep. And I think um, today you saw a team that was a little more, uh, a little more grounded, let's say. Yeah, right. For whatever no, reason. And yeah, you'd, you'd have liked to have seen Michigan State get more shots up from three, but you know what? Seven made threes is a decent number. Figuring that Wisconsin was probably looking at this game exactly the same way Michigan State was, which was we can't let this team take a bunch of threes. You know? So you give them credit for holding the attempts down, but Michigan State was dialed in. They hit the ones they had. The, they got they enough. Yep. To. Yep. So number three key to the game was turnovers. And this is, and this is, uh, you know, not a hemorrhaging of turnovers for 14 for Michigan state, but at a slower pace game with not quite as many possessions, 14 is quite a bit, especially with a margin of nine. 
And points of turnovers, I think Wisconsin had 30 or 27 points of turnovers. Michigan State had a bucket. That's crazy. Uh, so that was that was a yeah, that was a significant difference because I felt like a, a number of the turnovers for Wisconsin were like first three minutes of the game. They had a couple like it was sort of, sort of a sloppy sort of game back and forth. They both teams were turning the ball over back and forth. Agree. Um, that, that, and so that... 11, 11 more field goal attempts and eleven field goal attempts extra for Wisconsin than Michigan State in this game with a no offensive rebounding difference. Yeah, and so it it does speak to the fact that even though at times Wisconsin seemed to really be running their offense well, and I think they did, and they and they made shots, um, Michigan State actually hung in there well enough defensively to overcome all of that because that is tough on a night where you did not have a rebound. I mean, people are going to talk about the overall rebounding, but. There was not a big rebounding differential tonight. It didn't make up for the turnovers. As you said, look at how many more attempts Wisconsin had. Um, it was a combination of things, I think, in this game. You know, there were some turnovers like Walker slipping. You know, yeah. um, there was a questionable at best travel call on Malik Hall in the post. It's let's put it this way, right, right <laughs> or wrong, travel or not. It's a move that's almost never called that way. Uh, yes, right, um, I agree. So there were some of those. Then there were some just terrible decisions. I mentioned the Jade Nakins one. There were ones where Michigan State was clearly contributory. And then there were some where Wisconsin just made defensive plays um, where I thought they, you know, was, there was one where MSU got a rebound off a missed shot in the second half. Hogard was in semi-transition and was looking to yeah. kick back to AJ or to uh, Joey Hauser for what would have been an open three. And whichever Badger it was who hustled, got back, just made the steal. Yep. You know, so it was a combination. It wasn't all Michigan State just boneheaded plays. Yeah, there were some of those, but th I think they had three uh, shot clock calls against them. So give Wisconsin credit for those too. Sure. I mean, Wisconsin played good defense on those possessions. So it wasn't like somebody just throwing the ball wildly out of bounds. You know, it wasn't a, a bevy of those. What makes the points off turnover stats so strange in this game is even despite that, it wasn't like there were a bunch of pick sixes. No, it must be all the turnovers just happened to be those possessions where they, they scored. They <laughs> executed off almost every one of them, it seemed. Yeah, I and mean, there weren't any fast breaks at all. 20, 27 points off 14 turnovers. That is, you're right at two points per turnover. So you really are scoring at almost 100% clip. I wouldn't even think that you you scoring after some a shot clock violation counts as points off a turnover, but I guess I don't. Yeah, I don't it's so it's a weird stat. It didn't mean what it often means in a game where we see Michigan State with big turnover numbers and the other team with big points off turnover numbers, and you look at it and say, well. They got a lot of those in in the open court against uh, you know not much defense because it enabled them to get out in transition. Not this game at all, which in one way, as I say, makes it even more impressive that Wisconsin was that dialed in every time they got a chance. Um, but in the other, it, it wasn't damaging in the way you usually expect it to be. So the number four key was fouling, and Michigan State did a great job here. They only picked up 12 personal fouls in the entire game to that's, Wisconsin's that's fantastic. 18. 
Yeah. I mean, they, they did a great job without, and, and playing tight defense. It wasn't like they were, they were backing off a lot or anything like that. It, aside from Mahdi, who ended up with four, and he had like one, he had a moving screen and he had that one over the back. But otherwise, it was a pretty clean game by everybody. How much activity was there in the post? Yeah. And Michigan ton, State yeah. didn't get themselves a bunch of, of you know, cheap ones by yeah. just banning in the post. Um, look, I think you can make a pretty good argument that free throw line is in a game that close, the free throw line was the difference, you know, a nine free throw attempt advantage. And then MSU cashes in on 16 of the 17 they got. So they had a, I think a 10 free throw (laughs) advantage in terms of made free throws that overcame a lot of what happened with the turnover differential right there. So very impressive stuff and hard to do with that building. Is that is a hard trick to turn. So credit to Michigan State. Really did a nice job. They overcame Wisconsin's free throw defense, which is one of the best in the country. So I forgot about <laughs> gonna, that. You're right. They're gonna ruin their free throw defense, which is like their teams are shooting like sixty three percent or something like that. Yeah, they? some absurd before. number. Yeah, yeah no, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. Um, but that's I mean, that was just huge for Michigan oh, yeah. State. You know, the other thing that's huge and, and Robbie Hummel was talking about the late game situation, you know, Michigan state is able to put that small ball lineup on the floor where the worst option you've got is Jade Nakins at 75%. (laughs) That's your worst option. Um, I mean, AJ Hogard, my God, he's got to be up in the mid to high nineties now or our eighties. I I mean, from the line. Oh, he's, I think 88. Yeah, I think they said be... he's third in the league. That yeah. is a that is a remarkable turnaround. I Can mean, you just that from incredible. last year, you never would have thought that would have been possible. No, you thought it would be, he'd be better, but not like this. Right? I would have taken from AJ. I would have been happy with, hey, low seventies. You know, he's reliable enough, and he and of course because of the way he plays and the position he plays, he's going to get a lot of foul attempts. You know, your point guard is either going to be a guy who. Um, if he plays the way AJ does, where a lot of his game is predicated around the rim, he'll get shot attempts by virtue of that. And of course, you're getting the ball to him. If you're up in a late game situation, he's gonna he's gonna be the intentional foul uh, victim, you know. So to have that guy that good is is huge. But they've just They've got guys, I mean, the, the entire, that entire five-man group. And as we've talked about this year, you're not going to play Monty in that situation, but Monty Sissoko is not bad either yeah. for a big so, man. So going over the, the free throw stats, I mean, you've got Joey Hauser leading the team at 88.6, Hogarth at 86.7, Hall at 85.7, Walker 80, or 78.6, Aikens at 78.6, and to your point, Sissoko, 66.7%, which is not yeah, bad for a guy. Not at all. Plays, right? I mean, uh, yeah, that is that is a weapon. And it, and what we've talked about, we just it'd be nice to see him at the line more. Well, they got there today. And, um, you know, and they earned it. Playing smart. As you, as yeah, you oh, yeah. said at the outset, they earned this. You know, it was we didn't see it against Michigan, but this was back a, a little more um, to what we saw. I guess was it, I'm trying to remember, was it the Buffalo game or the Nebraska game where they got Buff- to the line 
I think it's Buffalo. I think Buffalo. Yeah, I think it's Thirty Buffalo free game, throw yeah. attempts. So after a couple games where you didn't see it as much, very positive development. And, and again, the flip side of it, continuing to defend without putting the other team there, a big deal. And just as much as the improvement in turnovers and the offensive rebounding not being at anywhere close to normal MSU levels, that's another thing that is a weird element of this team. If you watched Michigan State under Tom Izzo, they foul. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's part of playing with physicality. But this team is is really keeping that in check, and it is helping them win games. They're they're winning games. This one felt like an old time Michigan State victory because of how clutch they were down the mm-hmm. stretch, and it was in some ways. But man, the the elements of this team are just different. I know we've been talking about that a lot, but I continue to think it's worth mentioning because I don't think it's getting a lot of attention. Like even broadcasters are not taught occasionally. I think Robbie Hummel made a comment tonight about how they've been better with turnovers this year, but that's about as much as you'll get. Typically they're not, they're not really drilling down. We're far enough into the season that I think you can conclude, okay, they're playing differently. Yeah. You know, cause it fits this team without so, a doubt. so much for the Tom Izzo being stubborn and he never adjusts things. Huh? <laughs> so the fifth and final key which, which Michigan State gets an A++++ is focus. That was, you know, yeah, can yeah. they stay in a game? Can they maintain, you know, concentration during Wisconsin's offensive sets? And, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin shot really well, but I don't think the – I thought the defense was still pretty good, all things considered. And it wasn't like they're huge lapses. They didn't have, like, six turnover possessions in a row. They had a couple with, like, two or three, but they were able to right the ship. And, and you know, that's – I think it's just a testament to the veteran leadership they have in this team and just the, the – calmness that a guy like Hauser and Hall and Hogard and Walker bring to this team. I mean, they just, they just don't get rattled. I will say uh, a plus for the final four minutes ish. Um, I can't give them that for the game because Wisconsin did exploit them at times a lot defensively. You know, we said Michigan state struggled at times in ball screen defense, special and it was just, you know, it was Wisconsin. It was, you have to stay locked in and, and for all 30 seconds. And you let your attention lapse. You take one wrong half. They will find it and they will explode it. And that's exactly what they did, I felt, through a decent portion of that game. I Offensively, the turnovers would mitigate the other stuff, but by and large, when you shoot the way Michigan state did and you keep coming the way they did and you hang in a game on the road that was played in that tight a window, the way they did, you have to give them a good grade, even despite the 14 turnovers. And again, I didn't think all of the, I didn't think all of those were the result of Michigan state losing focus. Some of them were weird moments. Some of them were results of good things Wisconsin did defensively, you know, which I don't consider to be a lack of focus, but they'll, they'll test you. I mean, you saw it, this was in that way. It was vintage Wisconsin. You had better stay locked in at both ends, man, because if you don't, they will make you pay. I'm just part of the great inflation problem here, obviously in this country. So uh, (laughs) let's, let's talk about um, the last four minutes or so. I agree with you. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, and and I would say they did hit all their free throws, which I think was huge, and that is a that's testament true. Also, absolutely, too, right? Absolutely. So things we don't we didn't have as keys to the game, but I thought were key in this game. One was rebounding. Yes, yeah. Wisconsin is a terrible offensive rebounding team. They offensive rebounded only ten percent of their misses. That is, which is fantastic a, for for people, right? For people just who aren't really used to the the uh, rebounding percentage stats, that is a massive win. Now you would. You know, Wisconsin doesn't emphasize offensive rebounding and Michigan State's been pretty good on the defensive side. So it's not a total shocker. They do a nice job, but that is a remarkably good number. Now, Michigan State didn't do a great job on the boards. They were just under 20 percent for offensive rebounding rate, which is but Wisconsin is a very good defensive rebounding team. Um, So that was actually okay. I mean, it's not again, you hope to get a little bit more there, but you didn't you didn't lose anything there, which is, you know, I think reflected in the score final score of the game. But also 33 to 18, I mean, as far as the numbers. You knew that you weren't going to get a big offensive rebounding performance. I mean, it just, this Michigan State team, this Wisconsin team, it just was not in the cards. Um, But I think the fact that MSU did the job, and again, you would expect them to do a good job on the defensive glass, but they were better than good. And that made a difference. You know, on a night where you had all the turnovers, uh, you couldn't afford to let down and they didn't. Yeah, exactly. And finally, uh, the other thing we talk about oftentimes is transition. We did not expect much transition in a game against Wisconsin, the team that crashes the boards defensively. They don't really uh, give you much opportunity to, they don't turn the ball over, but I thought Michigan state was able to effectively move the ball quite a bit, especially in the first half, a little bit more. They pushed the tempo. I mean, this is, it seemed like it was going to be a pretty high scoring game at some point uh, early in the game. And I thought they got to their spots a little bit earlier, which helped them offensively again, more in the first half than the second half where Wisconsin really just seemed to clamp down a little bit more on the, on move on the transition. But I thought they got some stuff done, which is I think impressive, even though they're the broadcasts were talking about how Michigan state, you know, is a slow moving team. And, and I think that has been largely a product of just personnel and, I mean, but maybe it's because I don't think it's a change in emphasis as far as your offense. You know, it doesn't it doesn't feel like their offense is trying to run differently. Yeah. I, you know, fast break points, which, again, uh, I'm going to say it every <laughs> time we talk about it, probably from now till doomsday. Um, seven to zero Michigan State. So not a lot, but they can give up any to Wisconsin. But I think that doesn't entirely capture the secondary break. I agree with you. I I think Michigan state, look, this team. And again, we talk about how they're not a normal MSU team in almost any way. (laughs) This is not a team that is built. I think to be great in transition. Um, that's going to change. I think starting next year, I think you're going to see with different personnel in some spots, you're going to see a return to that. But for this team, you know, I love what Malik Hall has given them. Malik Hall is not a standard issue MSU wing in transition, right? Tyson Walker is not a standard issue MSU wing in transition. He does, you know, give you that three-point shooting option on the break, but he's not – everybody listening to this knows what I'm talking about, I suspect, when we talk about the traditional MSU transition wings. You're talking about, you know, you go back to Morris Peterson and Charlie Bell and Jason Richardson, and then, you know, guys like Darrell Summers and, and uh, Shannon Brown, you know, on and on and on. We've seen them 
We've seen them over time. Uh, and this team doesn't really, the one guy who sort of fits that mold is Jaden Nakins. He's the only one who looks kind of like a traditional Michigan state wing in the transition game. But all that said, I do think since they've gotten everybody back. So big 10 play, basically, I think they are showing at least some signs of being better there than they were. And I, and I would say, yeah, no, I would say too, with, with, with uh, Hauser, he showed a little bit of that trailing and he, yep. uh, and ability to hit the long three and stuff. And so that's, you know, that's something we've kind of expected to happen, but teams have been very good at, and conscious of stopping that. But maybe to your point, now that Hall's out there too, they have to collapse in a little bit more than they were before. And now maybe some more opportunities for Hauser that he didn't have. He's definitely a weapon as the trail three guy. And Michigan State is always looking for him in those situations. And man, if you get him that kind of look that you can get sometimes in those situations where he's just wide open and is just in the flow, no hesitation, um, that can be a very powerful thing for MSU. So I think that's pretty much it for the game. I, you know, it's Michigan State is now tied for first at four and one, four and one with Purdue. They have, as you mentioned before, they have two road wins now in the Big Ten. They're heading to Illinois on Friday night, an Illinois team that is, I mean, there's some just some problems. <laughs> I guess yeah, we'll I'm, we'll I'm watching how- them. I'm watching them as we're recording it, and they're up double digits in Lincoln. Um, they're up 13 with about seven to play. So I'm assuming they're going to close this out, get their second straight win. They beat Wisconsin at home over the weekend um, to get their first win. But look, it, you got this one. So if you don't get the game in Champaign as MSU, it's not a disaster. But right. man, you'd like to think you got a chance because that team has been all over the map in terms of how they've played. I'm still not convinced that one home court victory against Wisconsin without wall and, um, you know, going into Lincoln proves that you've solved all your problems. Um, it will be a a big test. We're going to get into this a lot more, obviously, as we talk about that game, but just to kind of hit the, the early foreshadowing on this, you are talking about as stark a difference in terms of guard play experience, you know, all of those elements, as you could hope to see, um, Illinois, even with sky Clark leaving it's young guards against Michigan state's veterans. And I think that alone gives you a fighting chance in look, what's, what's been historically a very tough building to win it for mm-hmm. Michigan state, yeah. you know? Over over the course of the you know forty years, forty plus years, I've been paying attention. Um, that's a tough building to win in, just like Cole, just like Mackey. I mean, you know, it's it's in that category. Um, but I think this Michigan State team has a shot, at first and foremost, because I think they're going to have a really serious advantage at the guard spots. Well, after injuries to Malik Hall and Jade Nakins and Michigan State, I mean struggling in some respects to a five and four start in the non-conference. They've now run off seven in a row. They're now 12 and four. And uh, I think there's every reason to be a little optimistic about this team and think that really anything's possible at this point, especially as Malik Hall comes back and he played 20 
seven minutes, I think today. So he definitely is kind of from a conditioning standpoint, getting close to where you want. And I still feel like he, with Aikens is 20 minutes. He still looks like he's uh, kind of figured, trying to figure things out a little bit. And I think, you know, I agree I think that one turnover, he just got, he's just not quite there. And he had, he's the one who had surgery. So you'd expect it to be a little bit longer recovery and sort of reintegration and kind of getting back to feeling comfortable with himself. So, I think even apart for even apart from that stuff, even apart from the injury, it's in recovery. It's just you go from being a guy who, you know, played but was not a heavy, heavy minutes guy last year to now you're being asked to be a starter. You know, his role has changed. And of course, right over the summer, I think they were very open with him that they saw him as a go to guy. So that's what I'm seeing is he's trying to find that, you know. Um, find that balance. And tonight you saw the good and the bad of it. You know, you saw him make some spectacular plays. You saw him hit some shots. And then you also saw him force a a couple of things. You saw him play very good defense at times and then lose focus. So it's a process with him. But I said this on the Spartan mag board. First of all, speaking to your general point here, if you're an MSU fan and you are not feeling optimistic about this team, I don't. I don't know where you're at because they've <laughs> given you reason to feel good about the start, which is not everything, but it's something. But specific to this team and Jaden Akins, when I look at MSU, I'm not sure that I believe that guys like Walker and Hogard and Hauser and Hall are likely to play a lot better than we've seen thus far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they could have individual games, you know, Tyson Walker could have a game like the Illinois game last year where he goes off that, that stuff can happen. But I mean, on a consistent basis where you're like, Oh God, that guy just went up a level over right. like, you know, three weeks, four weeks, the one guy on this team that, I, and I think that the freshmen, the young guys are less likely to do that as well. Um, but the one guy who I think is capable of going up a level, and could change the trajectory of this team is Jaden Akins. We have not seen anything close to his best yet. And there's every possibility that we do see it before this year is over. And I don't mean a one game flash. I mean, four or five games in a row, you know, where he just takes over that that's coming at some point. And I, I would not be surprised if we see it before this year's out. And if we do, then this team goes from where they are now to maybe something else if he's that guy yeah i think we've seen the shooting and i think the next thing is to see is can he take that use that athleticism and and do the creative things that we think he can do you know in the lane and and getting to the rim and things like that which right get to the free throw line more be more active be more consistent defensively he's got as much defensive ability as anybody but to be honest of those three perimeter guys I think for some understandable reasons, he's been the least consistent of that group. You know, he, tonight it was the case. He had some moments where he was really good. And then he had other moments where he just lost focus for a second. And you can't do that against this team. So, and, and, you know, by the way, you can't do it against Purdue. You can't do it against <laughs> Ohio state. You know, there are other teams that thing that can make you pay for that. Um, but I think he's going to get there. And I won't be surprised if we're looking back in early March and saying, boy, 
this team did some good things early, but they really took off when Jay Makins just went up a level. Yeah. Well, we'll see when that happens. Maybe it'll happen next against Illinois. We'll start seeing some changes. Uh, for those two or three dozen who are interested in my quest to make it to the Final Four, I uh, I did one little update. I got to watch the two people I shoot against in the last game, which I forgot to mention in the last episode. And um, it was, I feel much better about my chances of making it past the semifinals. There they you have, go. You, know, you've, you have 30 seconds to, to hit a free throw. Both opponents didn't score any in the first 30 seconds. They, so they had to have a, you know, another, put in a 30 seconds on the clock. Again, neither of them hit a free throw. And when I say they didn't hit free throws, they were not even hitting net. I mean, like they were, they were so short on the, these, these attempts. They were just, they weren't even like remotely close, like even the same zip code. They made Steven Izzo look like a sharpshooter, you know, from the line. <laughs> and then, uh, then they had to put another 30 seconds on. And then I, then I think they hit a couple each. So, uh, I'm feeling better about my chances. I have been practicing. I've been in the gym, although it's really sad that it's, a, it's really, a a testament how you're aging when just shooting free throws at the gym, you get kind of tired. And so I'm maybe that's something I shouldn't admit. My legs are like tired from just <laughs> shooting free throws. You're doing, you're doing the right thing. I have, um, I have a friend of mine who this would have been, well, a little over five years ago. Now she's a, uh, she's a musician, um, very important band in Los Angeles for a long time. And uh, she was uh, selected to throw the first pitch out um, at a Dodger game. And Dodgers are really good, of course. It was a sellout, and it's your hometown and all of that. So um, she spent – she had one of those pitchback things. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And she spent a good – and this is a woman who was in her 60s when she did this. So, um, (laughs) she spent though, I went over there the night before and she had been working out doing this for a few weeks. She just, she lived in mortal fear of one of those horrible, embarrassing (laughs) moments. She just wanted to get it to the plate, not even worried about a strike, just get it to the plate. (laughs) And she worked her butt off to get it straight and delivered in the moment. She got it to the plate no debacle. Uh, it was fantastic. So I, I, I would just, I know you already know this, but I think you're doing the right thing. Just keep doing it as much as, as much as opportunities present themselves. And I think it'll produce results for you, especially if you're not, it doesn't sound like you're going up against any rainers. You're not going up against anybody that was all conference in high school. <laughs> no, I don't think those guys even all preschool. Those guys are pretty bad. Uh, I Good. but it's possible. You know, they've got a couple of weeks to practice too. So uh, my next one is the Maryland game, which is on the seventh of February. So okay. But until next time. Well, one <laughs> more until, thing. One more oh, thing yeah, go ahead. before we uh, we cut. So for those of you who graciously and we thank you for this oh, yeah, order yeah, yeah. T-shirts. Um, I have good news. They hit the mail today, January tenth. So given that everybody who ordered is in the U S I would hope that, you know, within the next week and hopefully sooner than that, you will see them. Uh, they all went out first class. If it gets much beyond a week, um, 
I don't know, Eric, did they email you for the yeah, orders? Yeah, they can email me. They can email Eric at tffinots.com and we'll just Great. try and figure things out. If there's do any that. Sort of issue. Do that. If we get, let's, let's take it easy on me primarily. If, <laughs> if we get to the end of next week and uh, so what would that be? The 20th, I think. Sure. And you haven't seen your order show up please send an email to Eric. We do have the ability to track it um, and we can find out what's going on, but hopefully you're all going to be seeing those in your mailbox over the next few days. And again, we thank you so much uh, for the support. Um, we got more orders than I expected uh, and we're going to do it again. I personally, I'm biased, but I think they look great. I'm looking at one of them right now. It's a, it's a very nice MSU dark green and with the logo that we uh, we put out there, I, I think it's a really it's a it's a high quality T-shirt. I think it's a nice looking garment, so I'm pretty happy with them. And again, thanks to everybody who ordered. You should be seeing it soon. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm really looking forward to mine. And I would, you know, if once you get your shirt wherever you live, because most of you actually don't live in Michigan. I mean, some that's of you true. I'd say I'd say about seven. I'd say about seventy five, eighty percent of the orders were from outside Michigan. Yeah, it's so cool. So wherever you are, if you got some cool place like, uh, or you're visit, traveling somewhere, give send us some pictures of you where, wherever you are. We'd love to post them on our website and absolutely see, on Twitter, whatever. That's that's the fun thing about being a Spartan fan, right? You can be anywhere in the world and still be a Spartan fan. So, uh, yeah, if you want to support the show, obviously other ways you can go to the tffinots.com slash support that you can do one time or recurring gifts. Uh, but until next time, and and and, we'll and oh. one one more quick thing uh, <laughs> as a teaser. Um, I'm not sure when this episode is going to run. I don't think it's going to be the next episode to run, but I think you referenced on Twitter, right? That, uh, yeah, we're going to be right. doing an interview with another member of MSU's 2023 class, Garrick Norman. Um, we're actually going to be talking to him this week. Again, we probably won't run it just because of the, um, the number of games that we've got in this period. And we want to make sure that it, gets the attention from people that it should and it doesn't get lost in the middle of previews and post games but it'll run soon and uh we're as ex we're very excited to be doing that uh just as we have been with uh all our interviews and we've we've got commitments from some very big michigan state basketball associated names for the future as well um so we're going to continue to give you uh more of that kind of thing we'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know that's it's been a lot of fun for us to to do all these things these extra things and i i know i keep getting notes kind of notes from people saying that they appreciate them too so i'm glad keep listening keep sharing the show make sure you subscribe um and i'm sure i hope you have as much fun listening to them as we do having them uh okay so now my third attempt i think it's time you're, to close you're the show. clear <laughs> Until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.